Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to East Palestine and Waste Removal, a conversation with Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Rattree. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and tonight is Thursday, August 17th. The year 2023. Patriots, we have a really outstanding interview tonight with two ladies that have really just taken it upon themselves to fight against the corporate expansion, truly, of waste removal in Ohio following the the horrific event in East Palestine. Now, these are two ladies that really didn't have any position of saying they were awakened or anything like this, but through the process have had their eyes opened into the corporate tyranny and the nature of things of our government. And yet another example as we come on the heels of Lahaina or Lahaina of all the attempt again for land grabs and trying to force people off their land. All of this, again, just a reminder that it's not limited to Hawaii and Maui. It's happening right here in our nation. And before we get going tonight, I want to play a couple of pieces, and I'm going to start also with an acknowledgement of our sponsors, but I want to make a comment about that as well. I know that I regularly support two companies here. One is Birch Gold, and the other is My Patriot Supply. And I've said to you very clearly that I I choose the people very carefully who I believe in that make a real difference in our time. We are headed into a very critical time, and this is this is far beyond any sort of pitch for a a sponsor. But I want you to hear this. We're in a very, very critical window here in the month of August. There is a big assembly coming up in South Africa for BRICS nation. BRICS is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's five countries that represent over 40% of the world's population. They have announced today their coin, their BRICS coin, their new digital dollar, their digital coin. This this coin has been valued at $55 per one coin. Now, I just want to put this in context of what this means as we go into the coming months. You need to be prepared. Because when we start to shift 40% of the world's population that no longer have to use a dollar and are now going to value every purchase, that means every import we get from these 40% of the countries, one of them being China, we now have to pay $55 for one of their items you start to see how rapidly inflation goes and how quickly the dollar will fall. Now, just so I say it, we talk often about Birch Gold. You can just text 989898 to Birch Gold, and you'll get information on how to set up a gold back or precious metals back IRA or 401k retirement account. I would be moving. Obviously, I'm not an investment advisor. I can't tell you what to do. You need to do your research. And everything I give here is just my opinion. But I think it would be a wise move to move as quickly as possible, if you haven't done it, to back your retirement accounts with some form of precious metals. Because the dollar is worth nothing. We're dealing with a paper currency that's floating out here in the middle of la-la land. And there's nothing that's pinning it down. Now, 
Before I get going further, I want to play this one piece here that will give you a pretty good profile on what we're talking about in terms of the the issue of of this gold. And this is an, an outstanding piece here from the Rich Dad Radio Show. Take a listen. My company educated about what's happening in the world. But on August 22nd, 2023 of this year in South Johannesburg, South Africa, the BRICS nations are meeting. BRICS stands for um, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Kevin, what does that meeting mean to you, the BRICS nation in Johannesburg, South Africa, 22 August, 2023? What it means to me is that if they create this currency backed by gold, Robert, this will be the largest transfer of wealth between nations we will ever see in the history of, of, of money. Right. And the, the BRICS... And the reason- let me just say one thing. The BRICS were just five nations a while ago. They estimate by the time the meeting comes in, there may be 41 nations. That's correct. But I'm, I'm going to give people an indication right now. Wait, wait, of, let me finish. Oh, sure. They're so pissed off at the United States ripping us off paying fake money. Even the BRICS nations are pissed off. But Americans? No, we have no idea. <laughs> but the BRICS are pissed. And so they're going to join up and they're going to say, we're not going to take your piece of toilet paper anymore. What does that mean, Kevin? Well, two things. Uh, I want to go back. <clears throat> Those five countries, okay, when if people don't Correct. understand who they are, you said it, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. That's 40% of the population of the world. 3.2 billion people is 40% of the population. Just those five countries, you start adding in more countries, where's the tipping point? You get to 50% or 60% of the people, the dollar's gone. And there you go. And this is this is where we're at a very critical point in our nation. Now, just so I say it, and this is a rough road ahead because the world can't be freed unless it breaks from the Federal Reserve note. That in that in slavery note has also enslaved us here in this nation. Now, you can believe and, and have all sorts of dreams and fantasies about gold back something or other that's going to replace all this. I don't care how many ways you dice this. This is going to be a really bumpy road ahead before things get recovered. The old system that we know is dying, and it's falling apart. Do I believe that there's a new system going to be brought up from within the ashes? Yes, but it, nothing's going to happen quickly, not to the depth and integration in which this system is. So there's a couple of things. One, you do need to, to make sure that you're, you're well-equipped. Like I said, Take care of your 401ks and your IRAs. Get them as soon as you can. Transfer it over to a, I would recommend transferring them over to something that would be precious metals back. That's why we've got Birch Gold. You can text 989898 and get that. Now, the other side of this, food preparation. I talk all the time about this. You have to have a food preparation plan, an emergency plan. That's also having things that last a long time on the shelf and that you can grab in case of emergency, in case you have to relocate, bug out, whatever. What we're learning in Lahaina is also about the importance of an entire community being equipped, not just one person. Lahaina is overcoming the stupidity of our government, which, by the way, FEMA is not operating well because it has no money. The corporation of the United States right now is bankrupt. If you're wondering why FEMA is slow to getting things done, Congress is having to authorize new money for FEMA right now, and they're authorizing that money by also trying to tag on an additional 20-some billion dollars for Ukraine. Where they're, they're literally blackmailing the whole situation of, of recovery through FEMA to get another 20-some billion dollars into Lahaina. Why? Because they're trying to channel that money as fast as they can 
into that wretched hole over there to launder money to backstop all of themselves, knowing that the economy is about ready to implode. So on that note, you have to make sure that you have emergency food supplies, not just for yourself, but think about the community. That's a layered system. One of those systems needs to be long-term supplies that can sit there for months, years, and that's where My Patriot Supply is. So you need to head over to, you should head over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Right now, when you go there, you'll find the three-month emergency food kits on sale for 25% off. It's the best they've ever been. So these things are said as a promotion because I believe in them, not because I just say here because it's fun to say them. And this is a critical hour that everybody needs to take their food preparation and their financial preparation extremely seriously. We are in a really interesting window. Now, one last piece here I'm going to play before we head over to this amazing interview. Yeah, this is for educational purposes. So leading on from my uh, stablecoin video yesterday, including the US dollar, go back and watch this. The BRICS nations or the BRICS trading bloc are about to bring out their own asset-backed currency. And apparently, according to this video, if you go back and watch it, that's going to be, and it's going to be valued at 55 US dollars per one BRICS token or BRICS currency, whatever that's going to be. So let that sink in for a second. 55 US dollars for one dollar of the BRICS currency to trade within that trading block. Now, have you considered when this comes to pass, what that's going to do to the cost of imports for the United States? Where all of a sudden, instead of buying stuff overseas from a position of strength as the world's reserve currency, uh, where you know they would always get way more currency in, in a foreign country because they held the US dollar, which was quite strong. Now, that's being flipped on its head. So now they are importing from a position of weakness rather than strength, where, um, you know, one US dollar is, oh, sorry, 55 US dollars equals one dollar of, uh, of value within that BRICS um, sort of cut trading currency. So that means $55,000 would get like $1,000 worth of value within that trade-in. Do you understand what that's going to do to inflation that's already running rampant in the US? Now, I've told you in a previous video the US dollar is going to go to zero because it's backed by nothing but debt. All it is going to take now, all the ducks have been lined up. Uh, there's enough nations now that are joining this BRICS uh, sort of trading block. Um, and all it's going to take now to crash the US dollar is for them to have, um, a, a, let's say, a little get together, a little BRICS conference that they get together. All of them decide that they're going to drop the US dollar simultaneously and start to trade in their native currencies between one another within the trading block and at the same time ditch all their US treasury bonds in one go. Bang. That's all it would take, folks, now, and that's going to come crashing down. But I think what you're seeing uh, is a concerted effort. You, you're witnessing economic warfare that's been going on. And it goes both sides because when the war in Ukraine broke out, obviously there was sanctions by the West and all that kind of stuff. So it's just sort of, you know, it's a bit more of that. Economic warfare that is going on um, designed to drive up inflation from an import perspective. You're going to start to see prices. If this comes to pass, prices go through the flipping roof in, in America and you're going to be squeezed more than you're being squeezed. Uh, so anyway, just thought I'd bring that to you. You might not be aware of it. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Sending you love today. Take care. It's all very real. And the thing is that you've heard now from a couple different economists, this is happening. These are some of the best people out here that are talking about this. 
And just so I say it, and it's important to grasp this, it doesn't matter how much food there is in the, in the supply system. It doesn't matter how much food there is on the grocery store shelves. shelves. If people don't have buying power, they go hungry. So what does that lead to? It leads to a level of insanity in a, in a, in a population. So, again, we've talked so much about the seven pillars of county by county in preparation. Wherever you're at with that, kick it in high gear. That's what I'm going to tell you. We're going to talk a lot more about this in the next week, in the coming days. I just, But to me, this is an, an important enough message to get out here to highlight what people need to be aware of. This news isn't covering anything. And when we would look at Lahaina, and we are going to hear about East Palestine tonight, or Palestine, you're going to really understand, again, just how corrupt and stupid our government is and how these corporations are trying to do everything they can to bugger another piece of profit out of everything and screw the people. Don't trust the government. Don't trust the people. Don't trust banks. Trust your community. It's that simple. All right, Patriots, with that, we have an amazing interview. So let me introduce you to Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Rattree, two wonderful ladies from Ohio. Well, Patriots, I'm really excited today. We have two fantastic, I don't even know how to call it. I think we'll call them activists for the Patriot cause Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Rattree, they're from Ohio, and they have been fighting this war that's been going on up there since East Palestine Palestine happened. And as we're going to learn today, and I think everybody needs to start waking up to the fact that this is very much a war on our human rights and, and our just ability to function. This is all Agenda 2030, and all of these actions that seem to be you know, accidental or errant out in the world are actually a coordinated attack to steal our land and force us off the land into their prison cities. So I'm gonna, with that, let's introduce you to Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Rattree. And ladies, welcome to the show. And why don't you each give us a little bit of background about yourselves? Karen, you want to go first? Okay. Um I actually have an engineering degree, and that's how I started out my life in industrial engineering, and I was doing consulting work, and I had some health issues that turned, it was anxiety-related and turned into finding out that I had mercury toxicity and that I was highly sensitive to chemicals, and that was sort of where my awakening began, and I started cleaning up my own environment and life. And right now in the summer, I grow my food and I make conscious decisions as far as what I put in my environment and in my mouth and in my air. And um, more recently, I became a licensed massage therapist and I'm a health coach. And I am just have become more aware of what's happening in the environment. And it was actually East Palestine situation that woke me up to what was happening at Ross Environmental. Because even though I've lived in my home here for 29 years, I didn't even realize that three miles away from me was a hazardous waste incinerator that is putting things like heavy metals into the air, even though the EPA says that it's fine. Elizabeth? Okay. I um, actually have a background in communications, but I've done just about everything. I'm not even going to go down a litany of, 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 of things I've done. I'm currently a, an, a private um, business owner who lives in the community in Eaton Township, Northeast Ohio, and I'm a Medicare broker. So I have a bird's eye view as I serve the senior and disabled population with their health care needs. 
um, how do you get it paid for? And, and, uh, and what are, what are they doing to help you? And it's kind of scary because basically they're pumping us full of drugs and waiting for us to die <laughs> and modifying our food. <laughs> so, uh, that that's where I'm at. I have had, um, a lot of health issues myself. I'm a stroke recovery person, full recovery. And I believe that a lot of that largely, um, aside from the mercy of God was due to things that were revealed to me about my diet and my nutrition, what I was ingesting. And, um, I grow, I grow food. I make medicinal salves and things like that right out of my yard, right out of my house. Um, and it's, it's been awesome to, to just see the benefits that we've all gotten in my family and in my community, my, my just circle of friends, just by controlling, uh, what we put into our bodies. It's absolutely true. I mean, we can get into that part a little bit more down the way here because it's such a critical aspect. And so much of what we're dealing with here is to wear down our immune systems and really our structure of both spiritual and physical strength in this world. Mm -hmm. I want to get into a little bit of East Palestine. And if you guys can be gals, excuse me, can in just each um, kind of lay out a perspective of what you were facing in this, what, there's no other way to call it. It's an attack. It's an organized criminal event that literally caused an incredible destruction of the environment, which has now given them an amazing amount of leverage to do bad things. Why don't you kind of lay down the situation that's happened up there? Let me tell you how I, I became aware of it. I'm literally sitting on my couch. I see the news and I see this whole coverage of the, the train derailment and what that's going to entail. And the first thing that popped into my head is, Oh, dear God, it's coming here because they started talking about the cleanup and what was going to happen. And we knew that this uh, hazardous waste incineration plant was just a couple of miles from home. And they're the the logical next place to receive it. And sure enough, within 48 hours, it was it was already you know in place that it would start coming here. Um, what happened is I helped write the comprehensive land use plan in our community. And I also served on the board of zoning appeals. So I started kind of looking around at, well, what do we have in place and what does it say and this and that. And that's when I realized that um, it was actually fortuitous for us that the train, I know it sounds crazy, but that the train derailed and this has happened because we had no idea what this company was planning. They're a multi-million dollar corporation and they were planning all along for years to be able to expand to do exactly this which is bury, burn and bury hazardous waste in the ground in our neighborhood. Karen? Well, I first became aware of it through the news media. And I just started investigating. And luckily, people started making noise in the area to make it, you know, to catch my attention. But I was most concerned about what's going into our air and I'm very protective of myself because of my health issues. And I just started attending meetings and that's where I met Elizabeth. <laughs> and it was just beyond anything. I just couldn't believe that I was in the area and it was never disclosed what was happening or what they were handling over at Ross and for so many years. And in talking to people, I found out that so many people had 
spoken up in the past about Ross, but for some reason it was always shut down. And Ross just, you know, continued to move forward. And we did find um, that they're bringing the waste here in containers at the time. And this was the spring. I want to say it was March or April. Maybe it was April. Um, that they had already received a couple thousand tons of waste from East Palestine. And I have no idea how much they've received now because this is, they said they were going to be receiving it over the summer. And we're hearing more in the news. Some of these independent test people are saying that it's thousands of times more contaminated than the EPA was purporting it to be. So that's that's kind of what, what I know about it. We have an event in East Palestine that was almost silent on the air from the people that are advocating for environmental damage, environmental cleaning, and the new green policy. And I, I'm not just talking government. I'm talking activists on the ground that are trying to force us into eating bugs, killing off our cattle, forcing us to eat vertical agriculture, GMO products, and mm. out here waging war against climate change. And one of the most significant disasters in our nation, they're silent on. What do you make of that? The only thing I can surmise is they're not being silent. They're they're being strategic. <laughs> and and when we raise up and question or uh, research and investigate and try to hold their feet to the fire and ask for accountability, we're the ones who are being silenced. Karen? Well, I have tried to get information out of the EPA. And in fact, the other day I took a Sunshine Laws course to understand the Sunshine Laws better. And what I was surprised at learning about was records policies and um, open meeting policies, as well as um, freedom of information. And I can't help but think there has been major violations of freedom of information here because I've been requesting information from the EPA since June, and I've basically gotten nothing. I've gotten the runaround, and they've assigned me to what I call a handler because the, I started calling different people at the EPA. So they assigned me to someone who seems like she takes four days of the week on vacation, and she sent me next to nothing. And they're supposed to have their records organized in such a way that they can be accessed and, and witnessed and gone through by the public. Yet they have no way, they don't know what's in their records and they only have them by date. And I find it hard to believe that Ross is one of the most highly regulated facilities and industries with the hazardous waste incineration, that they don't have records that can be accessed for what's in their landfill or, or, or their original permitting and when it was and what that original permitting was. And I see that the EPA is basically aligned with Ross, almost against the people. Because the EPA, I did look into this a little bit, the Ohio EPA actually has to forecast hazardous waste incineration and processing capacity to the government. So if they're forecasting the capacity of a private industry, and then all of a sudden something like this happens, they're involved in dealing with the situation. They're just not regulating who's dealing with the situation. 
And we found that with Ross was backlogged at the beginning, they had an overcapacity situation and conveniently they took on more waste and the EPA asked them, you know, to take on this waste. In other words, blessed the fact that they took on more waste. And then Ross had to ask for permission to basically store the waste and they're not a storage facility. And the EPA then approved that storage capacity, which is up to over a million gallons that they're just putting it in their driveways and in vans and things like that. So the EPA apparently is monitoring and approving the actions of the EPA. And there's just, there's something wrong with that. When we hear things like that, I say, I shouldn't say we, when those that are uninformed hear things like that, it sounds extremely conspiratorial. And of course, conspiracies anymore have a lifespan of about a month at best, where it used to have years. Elizabeth, we were talking before the show, and you were mentioning how this process has led you to an awakening. It it, it actually has. Yeah, because I honestly thought I said, oh, come on, this can't really be, you know, there can't be validity to some of these theories or whatever. So it led me to start reading, researching, looking at the history of how some of the actions that Ross has been taking have come to be. And it was really eye-opening. I thought, how, who in the world? It's like, you let the fox in the hen house. Are you kidding me? And as I've exposed it to different neighborhoods in the area, because they all have, you know, their little social media groups, they actually pushed back and said, some people were of the thought that, well, you know, they're big and they're, they're kind of a Goliath. They have a lot of money. You're never going to get anywhere. And I said, have you met me? And then another one was, that can't be true. How come we haven't heard about it? And I said, I'm telling you, I went back through records, public records that document a lot of these events and occurrences, and it's there. You just have to care to um, be an actively involved citizen and and um, hold them accountable, hold people accountable. Um I, I, I can't believe it. I mean, I've been able to find things like, here's an example, in meetings in probably 2015, when the discussion came about to zone this land that they own um, so that they could expand in ways that they weren't currently operating, they hired their lawyer to frame the wording of the zoning resolution, which is the laws about in the in the township of how lands can be can be used and okay the framing is absurd it allows everything anything there's no restriction there's no conditional uses there's no compound or element or anything in existence that cannot be uh incinerated and disposed of here and i thought what in what kind of local elected officials would sign off on that who would do that knowing that it is it is hazardous even like preliminary reports when ross was you know first getting permission to do some of these things it it, it says that this is hazardous to uh the groundwater the the surface water and the air so why did they say yes Money. Power. Yep. Always money. Power. 
Karen, as an engineering background that you have, a lot of these things can be very intimidating to the layperson when they start looking at numbers and data. Talk people through that because it's a critical piece to understanding their language that they're using to obscure and to, at the same time, present facts. Well, there's two different waste products. One is the steam that comes out the top, and the other is the ash. As far as the steam, there's actual data online that would be great for anybody to take a look at of any company in the United States that basically the EPA is regulating. It would It's under TRI National. If you search on that with EPA, you'll find that and you can pull up any facility. When we pull up Ross, they're purporting that 99.9% of what they incinerate is destroyed and neutralized and mainly just steam, air and water come out the top of their stack. But when you look that that they say, oh, there's only 92 pounds coming out the top every year of hazardous materials, they're within the guidelines of the um, EPA, Air Clean Air Act. But when you look at what's coming out, okay, in 2021, and that's the most recent data, they had 15 pounds of mercury that remained in the ash, but 25 pounds went out the stack. Well, that's not a 99.9% rate of recovery. That's only a 37.5 rate of recovery. And the rest of that went into the air. Now, when you look at mercury, you say, well, it was only 25 pounds and it was over a year. That's no big deal. But 200 milligrams of methyl mercury is lethal. And if you look at that, we're talking about tens of thousands of lethal doses coming out the top of that stack. Not only that, mercury just doesn't disappear. It's going to land somewhere in the air, in the water, in the people, and it's going to accumulate. In fact, someone from the EPA told me that, you know, many years ago, we used to have lead in gasoline. They said, if you test the soil next to the highways, you will find lead from that gasoline in that soil. So this is an accumulation every year. And 20 years ago, if you look back in their data, they were putting out over a thousand pounds of lead in that stack. Now, so that's the air and, and they're putting out other things, but you can kind of, you can take a look at that on the site. In the ash, that is actually the place that you want, if, you, if you're burning something, that you want the toxins to accumulate. It reduces the amount of hazardous materials that, that from going into the incinerator to an ash. But that ash is toxic. And for them to say that the ash isn't toxic is even counter to the whole theory of what they're doing because they're trying when they burn something that has mercury in it they're trying to contain the mercury into the ash because if it wasn't it would be in the air it's not going to magically disappear by burning it um so anyway they have the ash and something called filter cake and that's what they want to bury and they're going to mix it with um, a byproduct of Portland, Portland cement called kiln dust, which is another waste product looking for a landfill. And supposedly that solidifies it so that the water doesn't seep through it as much when water hits it. But they still have to collect the leachate, which is what seeps through it. And then they say they're going to burn that because that chances are that's going to have heavy metals and things like that in it. 
And I also read a study that said that when they, they're also going to combine this with limestone, that it makes it so acidic, or, or not acidic, alkaline, sorry, um, that the metals don't really bind that well and that they can still leach out. So they're creating this giant mountain of ash, or they're proposing to create this giant mountain of ash that is solidified into concrete. And they're saying it's going to be 23 acres, 50 feet tall, and up to 10 to 17 feet deep. This is going to be immovable forever. And it, it you know, when you when you think about forever, it just it's not it's not um good stewardship to the land, to the people. And I'm just I to me, we should be incentivizing getting rid of these these chemicals if this is the result of our use of them. From the position of where you sit now, with the knowledge that you have both gained, in reflection of what's happened at East Palestine, which is obviously people in the willful mass of sheep are going to say it was a train derailment, along with about 100 other train derailments that just happened to happen. When you look at everything you're looking at now, there seems to be a way we can put together a speculative, at least, motive. What's your thoughts, Karen? Um, I'm not sure um, I have gone that far in thinking about it, really. Um, I'm just more concerned that train derailments happen so easily and we're still putting highly toxic things on these trains. I just, and do we really need that much PVC? I think we're going in a direction of, we don't really care about human health. Because if we did, we're adding all these toxins, but do we test people? Does the medical system ever test you for your toxic accumulation? Ever. It's ignored. It's completely ignored. And we just keep adding more toxins. To me, it's a, um, it's it's money, it's capitalism, and it's ca- it's protecting capitalism really at all costs. That's that's where what I see. Elizabeth, I, I'm in the same uh, camp as Karen. I haven't thought ahead to that aspect of it, um, but I will say that. Um, it it does come down to it's capitalism at its worst <laughs> you know it's all the all the things that could go wrong um i recently have uh discovered that the plant where the ash is sent for the most part from ross has the authority to uh look at it test it whatever whatever uh, it, when it arrives there and say yay or nay, it's good to go. It's ready to be uh, stored here, which is storage, let's call it burial. Um, and they can turn it away or they can require them to uh, reprocess it. The way that it's set up now, they are moving toward gaining enough power that if they have the ability to store it themselves and not transport it to this other entity, who's going to monitor when it goes from the incinerator to their storage, their burial? It'll it again. It's you know the fox in the hen house that you know they're they're minding their own store. There's no go between now. They can just bypass all of that, 
And I, I call it making toxic tacos because they keep talking about this special vinyl that they're going to put in the ground to line it and uh, really, and then fold it over and, and it's, you know, it's going to be safe. Um, they're, they're advertising it as being benign at that point. Well, then why is it that this Michigan plant has on numerous occasions turned it away? It wasn't benign. It needed to be reprocessed in order to be disposed of properly. All those things are lead you to kind of a place of having to ask some big questions about motives all the way through here. One of the, I'm going to go back to the statement of the silence of the environmental activists. Government, I can understand, especially if EPA has been bought off to a certain degree by big business and power and money. But the environmental activists, and I have some background in this when I say this, because we dealt with this in a issue with fracking in Colorado when I was consulting with some of the mid-level oil and gas folks. Activists are typically being funded by foreign money and to, to stir up and to shut down key operations. The thing that's stunning is what you have become a, an environmental activist, whether you like that or not. It's a positive thing because you're concerned for the environment and we're dealing with toxins. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is out here talking about how we need to better manage our land. I agree, and I agree with that position on what he's saying. What I find amazing is the silence on the left that is supposed to be so pro-environment. What do you make of it? Elizabeth, your communications, let's start there. It's very frustrating, and it tells me that um, they have also other motives you know they're they're being not they individually but um follow the money it's somewhere at the top of whoever's funding them maybe even i don't know i wish i had a bird's eye view only god knows but i don't believe i I can't believe that they're so um like for instance when all of this happened i thought surely someone is going to say well where is this cleanup going it's coming to my backyard and nobody cares. Where are they? Where Where is everyone? And even East Palestine, it's getting quieter and quieter and quieter. What these people are, they're sicker and dying. Illnesses that they already had have been exacerbated. You can't drink the water there. You can't grow anything out of the land there. Their animals are dying. People are dying. So they decided to set it on fire, put it in trucks and bring it here where's you know the activists oh they're so concerned they're so concerned well where's your concern for the fact that they're just spreading this joy around karen i really don't have an answer for that when i think about um the left and uh, you know a lot of activists in in that department um i think of people that are pro technology i mean you look at the new green deal they're changing light bulbs <laughs> that's that's not going to be a solution to anything. <laughs> I, when I, I mean, that, that just made me laugh because it's not really looking at, it's almost like, well, we're going to, like Bill Gates, we're just going to technologically innovate ourselves out of this. I mean, you know, we need all these chemicals in, in the direction of, in that direction, you know, we need, because we need to feed people. So we need the GMOs and we need the Monsanto's and we need the, and and to me, that's the opposite of what we need. 
what we need is incentives. And, you know, my husband works for Ford Automotive. And what I have seen over the years, just because he's worked for them for many years, is that there was an incentive and to reduce um, emissions and increase fuel economy. And it actually worked. It was, I, I don't want to say that, you know, blind regulation doesn't really do anything. It's incentivizing. It's putting something out there so that we can make it better. That also makes it better for the environment. And what happened was these companies, they were teaming with one another rather than competing completely. They were teaming up to create new technology that was cleaner, that was better. And I believe we need to start doing that in, in all of these other areas. We need to, it, it's like the pharmaceutical industry. And I actually, I do a lot of homeopathy. I provide a lot of my own healthcare. And with the pharmaceutical industry, we keep trying to get the price of drugs down so that we can get more drugs to people cheaper, rather than looking at how to get to get the empowerment into the people's hands. So if some virus is manufactured and it pops up, that the people know how to take care of their own health and that they're not drinking bleach in, in because they have no idea what to do except listen to the government, which tells them to put a mask on. It's it's We need to empower the people. And going back to the activism, I don't think it's there. I just, I don't know. I don't think, I think activism is convenient and it's convenient to to sit and type messages on Facebook about something. But a lot of the people that actually are getting up and out there, the activists were coming out of East Palestine. The activists marched on Washington. The activists marched on um, Mike DeWine. They were the activists. They were the people that were harmed. And it's almost like you need to go through a process of almost experiencing harm sort of like I experienced mer mercury toxicity to wake you up enough to know what the real activism should really be, what the real solution should really be. And I think that's happening, but I don't think it's happening in in certain corners, I guess is my response. Let, let me give you each a couple things to think about. You made the comment earlier that this is an example of capitalism. I would argue this is an example of crony capitalism, specifically designed to force people into the acceptance of socialist tyranny. That's the first thing. Because with this, free market capitalism wouldn't allow this. People would be active, they would cease to support things, and there wouldn't be an allowance of big corporations to come in. When we talk about activists, whether I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the environmental movement was actually originally funded by the coal industry started in the 70s, and it was funded in a counter to nuclear because the coal industry saw that its future was at risk with nuclear clean energy. And so they funded the nuclear movement that emerged into the environmental movement of the later 80s. All of that leads to a pretty clear view that this is a corporate move. And everything you've talked about here has given a perspective that this is all corporations doing land grabs all intentional to keep their processes going while keeping people looking one way rather than looking at the real problem. And to your point, Karen, I think it's exactly on the point, is the real activists are the ones that are suffering the damage. Yes. The fake activists are the ones that are living on social media, being funded by Soros money, being funded by the World Wildlife Fund, which gets its money sometimes from Germany and Dubai. It's a channel Ponzi scheme that, that people are being shaped by. And this is the problem that we have in our nation is we have a mass amount of people 
that have succumbed to the idea that they can trust government. So in bringing all that together, where's your perspective, each of you, on your trust in government and corporations? Well, I can go first on that because I don't trust the government at all. (laughs) (laughs) And it started from my own health situation. Um, It started when I was a child because as a child, I knew I was allergic to mercury. I had my hands would break out and they would put mercury on my hand as that was the solution. And I knew I needed to stay away from mercury. Um, And I go to the dentist and they want to put mercury in my mouth. And it was like, as a child, I knew that was wrong. And it was like, you know, but I didn't have a choice. But now I have a choice. And so I start going to, I see chiropractors. I see alternative healthcare practitioners. I pay for it all out of pocket. It's like my health insurance is, is would only pay for managing my condition, wouldn't pay for healing anything. So to me, and, and I'm actually an activist for um, homeopathic medicines, which the FDA is basically trying to get rid of. And it's trying to get rid of all um, natural medicines um, to defer to the pharmaceutical model. And to me, that's like, like the biggest monopoly that we have is the pharmaceutical industry, but it's happening to our food. So I, and with GMOs and I was in the beginning, I was actually an activist when they, when the internet first started for organic food labeling. And at the time we argued about whether or not GMOs should be part of it. And we got that out of there. So, and you know, now we're into the chemicals, which for some reason we better living through chemicals. So I, I, I don't trust the government at all when it comes to making healthy choices for me, for my lifestyle, for my food, for my health care. I continually take moves to train myself, to learn, to take care of myself and my family. So that's where I am with that. Elizabeth? Yeah, ditto. I, I don't trust the government. And we can't. And I think it's not just because, oh, I think they're out to get me. It's because people don't understand that we are the government. We are, we, they work for us and we don't hold them accountable. We just send them off, send a check, pay your taxes. And, you know, they'll do everything they'll tell. And we believe whatever they tell us. I I found out many times over um, growing up and even as an adult that you can't just turn over your well-being to the powers that be. You're giving up your power. Um, I am my family's heritage is predominantly African-American and Native American. And we've seen what happens, you know, what decisions they will make on your behalf if you just kind of lay low and don't, you know, don't uh, use your voice and use your power. So you learn how to play the game. We have a, a saying in our family, don't hate the player, learn how to play the game. So we, um, I, I do the same, similar things to, to what Karen does. Uh, I advocate for my own health and the health of my family. Um, when my kids were younger, we bought uh, cow shares <laughs> so that we could have access to raw milk because it's illegal in the state of Ohio. Um, but if, unless you're, unless you own the cow. So we bought into the herd and, and owned a share so that we could drink the milk. Um, I save seeds from my non-genetically modified plants that I grow. And it's like, don't tell anybody. But uh, so they don't own my seeds and they don't own my food. But I mean, there's just a series of things like that. No, you can't trust the government unless you become the government. Get up, 
get off the couch, turn off the television for God's sake and start doing, becoming actively involved. That's why I was raised that way. Um, that, that was just in our, you know, that was in our culture. So like, you do the work, be a voice. I'm going to, this will be a controversial statement. Don't care. Um, white culture has been lured into the convenience of thinking that the government's in its favor while they've turned their back to a large degree on the atrocities that have been done by other fellow to other fellow Americans, be it black, be it the immigrants coming across our Southern border, be it native Americans. I think for the first time it's probably left a lot of people stunned and speechless is to witness a government that has finally turned this full force of evil against the people as a whole. We were irrespective of race. Thoughts on that? I wholeheartedly agree. And if they can keep us um, uh, at each other, they can continue to do whatever they want. We're crabs in a barrel. Nobody's getting out unless you build a ladder, <laughs> unless you go after um, where the power sources are and take charge of them. That's that's the only that's the only solution. Karen, I feel like I live in the twilight zone. <laughs> I have worked so hard at talking to different playing the game, as Elizabeth said, talking to different departments of the government. And I actually created a song and it's not my jurisdiction. And you just you just wouldn't believe there is. I'm pretty sure for the things that we really need, there is no jurisdiction. There is just no jurisdiction. Uh, for instance, I went to the township trustees to show them what what that Ross was storing all this stuff from East Palestine. That's not their that's not their jurisdiction. In fact, the prosecutor's office was there. That's not their jurisdiction. That would be the state's jurisdiction. Well, you talk to the state, and it's just like you know, I talked to my representative, my senator. And he was like, well, you know, if it ends up in court, kind of yada, yada. And it's like, we all need to be lawyers. I, I'm actually wondering, should I be going to law school? Because everything seems to be solved in a court of law, which basically makes it so that the people can't access anything. And that's where this is it, This is gone. This zoning issue is going to end up in court, and whoever has the best lawyer is going to win. And that's why it seems like the government has turned against the people because, because everything ends up in court and we don't have lawyers. So we almost all have to become a lawyer in order to survive in this climate, and that's not going to happen. So therefore, we don't really have the power in the government. And, but we're growing in numbers. The people are waking up and we're growing in numbers. Yes, they are. All right, I'm going to come back to that because I think there is a solution, and it's an important one, so I want to encourage you ladies to explore. We'll come back to that. Don't let me forget. I want to look at this issue of the drift from East Palestine. You hit a couple of things. You talked about the health, and you talked about we talked about water, and we've talked about raw milk. There is one group of people that lays directly in that wind blow, and that's the Amish, and they are the most healthy group of people in the United States right now. They have not taken vaxes. They have not relied on processed food. What are you seeing in terms of the impact or what are you hearing in terms of the impact on their land and their water? Eventually, um, they'll start to see the same types of repercussions as the rest of us are. Uh, it can't, it can't miss them because it'll be in the ground, in their water and in the air. Um, the land that we are 
uh, battling over this whole rezoning issue where they want to bury this waste. Um, right through that property runs Willow Creek. And our water table is very high here. If you go out in my back property and dig a hole, it fills with water. Um, so you're, it's a constant battle. And so the farmers had dug ditches to drain it away all over, but it all flows toward Willow Creek. And this property where Willow Creek is, well, it's a tributary of the Black River in this part of the country. The Black River flows to Lake Erie, which is part of the Great Lakes. That is the drinking water for over 11 million people. We cannot afford to keep contaminating that. Um, if you have a well, you're already, you know, in trouble because it's not being treated like the public access water is. But eventually, you know, it's it's all going to be the same. It's it's not going to matter. It'll all be undrinkable. Um, and the Great Lakes are the largest surface water supply on the planet. And that's kind of what made me decide, you know what, I can't, I have to see this through. I have to see it through to the end. I can't, I can't look away. God won't let me. <laughs> Karen? I haven't heard too much about what's happening with the Amish in this, but I do know in our area, the Amish have started using chemicals in agriculture. And in fact, there were, you see the horse and buggy going along with the chemical bottle on the back of it. Um, but I also know that there is a um, a gentleman, his name is Kempf, his last name is Kempf, and he has created a regenerative agriculture, system of regenerative agriculture, and he is on the far east side of Cleveland. And I he is Amish, and I think it's John Kempf, and he... I know that a lot of the Amish and even others, myself, are using his products to regenerate the land. Um, but I would say if they're in the line of this, I mean, it's it would it would contaminate their land. It's going to contaminate anybody's land who's in the line of it. But what we're one of the things that we don't really talk about, and I did ask the EPA about this, and that is okay. So you know, Ross puts out some chemicals, and some other company puts out some chemicals in the air and they're finding dioxins in like the Arctic circle. I mean, is anybody looking at the global who's putting out all these chemicals or at least in the United States? And apparently there's modeling being done on that, but at what point are we gonna to get to a saturation rate on that? There is no long-term planning. There's no long-term planning in Lorain County. That was one of the one of the things that's going on here is that we have multiple landfills here that are forever land that is forever destroyed. They have what's called an environmental covenant on them so that you can never put anything, anybody live on that land or have daycares or prisons or or things like that. And how much of this land are we going to sacrifice forever? And we're not talking about this. The government is not talking about to me. This is like one of the big things we should be talking about, not light bulbs, but what we're doing to this land in these landfills. We're in a very small um, little hamlet here. And don't quote me, but I think, um, Karen, you may know this. It, isn't it about maybe uh, 38 square miles? Maybe more than that. I'm not sure, but, but I know it's just under 9,000 is the population of Eaton Township. Okay, well, in this in this just this little tiny area, we have multiple salvage yards. We have the Ross incineration 
uh, operation with the hazardous waste, we have a fly ash dump that still has signs up saying, you know, keep out, hazardous, dangerous, whatever. Um, and also something that very few people know about because it's a behind a wooded area, there are two very large fracking brine tanks that have been in operation since the mid 80s. And they're still taking in uh, liquid. My, my question when I looked at that was, how deep is that thing? You know, it's like from the 80s. Are you kidding me? It's got to be corroded and leaching into the land by now. And it's not regulated. It's I mean, they just I don't know. So that's that's it just has to stop somewhere. The sad part is and I, I hate to admit this, but the services that Ross provides are a necessary evil. We as humans create waste. We like our conveniences and we don't want to, we want, it's, we're insatiable. More, 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 convenient, convenient. But at what cost? At some point, we have to say, you know what? <laughs> Enough. Let's, let's do without this or let's go back to maybe some of the practices that didn't kill us. <laughs> And it's privatizing profits and socializing risk. Yep. That seems to be the theme of this of, of Ross and all these other landfills that we put them in smaller communities. People can't stand up for themselves. Um, we take on the risk and Ross is going to get the profits. And we've even brought this up in meetings. What do we get? Ross gets everything. What do we get from this? Ross has been. Well, they, they also pacify people, which kind of lulls them into a, like a sleep state. I noticed that they give, you know, millions of dollars to all these entities locally. They give money to the county fair, the school district, the fire department, the public library, all these different things in to make themselves look like, oh, we're good neighbors. We're good citizens. We're good for the the local economy and for, you know, the bet we love your family and your children. Yeah. You're loving us to death. Let me, let me throw out some other thoughts for you here. Uh, your governor, the DeWine has accepted a deal with Intel to help build out an entirely new global manufacturing site for chips, which is in new Albany, which is about two hours and 55 minutes from East Palestine. This is a highly toxic industry, which they don't ever like to tell you about in the Green New Deal stuff. In fact, solar panels, which are going to be a benefit of that, uh, are about seven times more toxic than nuclear waste. With your understanding of what's going on in this incinerator in your township, what is the probability that the waste, that this is a critical component to do disposing of the waste from this new facility in New Albany? I believe it's a high chance. There are four hazardous waste incinerators in Ohio, and there's only about 22 of them in the entire country. So Ohio seems to have its, um, and, and I don't know, maybe that's why the why the facility is coming to Ohio. Um, but Ross seems to have the one of the least um, violations against it. Um, in fact, they 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 have a really good track record of staying within the confines of the law, even though they're polluting. Um, and so therefore I would think that it would be directed to Ross. And we also have to really wonder why an expansion was approved for Ross. Ross never asked for an expansion. In January, the um, it was tacked on to the end of a bill 
and Ross was granted the ability to expand by the state. So if they want to put another incinerator in there, they can. And again, only zoning would stop it. And one, one thing about zoning in Ohio, and I just learned this recently, and I didn't know this. Most states, zoning is set by county commissioners. In Ohio, it's not. Zoning is set by trustees and townships. And therefore, in, from my perspective, it would be easier to basically stomp on the township than stomp on the county. It would be easier to wrestle away um, land for, in our situation than it would in a state that has a higher level of government overseeing the zoning. And that, that was news to me. Elizabeth? We have three branches of government in, in a township. And they're the the executive branch is just three guys. It's three trustees. They, it, it happens to be men right now. It wasn't always. Um, and then uh, so they they have like the final say. Uh, the the other branch, the one who actually writes the zoning resolutions, um, our zoning commission. There are five people on it. And interestingly, of those five people, the current board now, two of them were sitting on that board when the wording for this permissive uh, article, the, the heavy industrial article was written, they signed off on it. Uh, two of the other five are deceased and one is elder and doesn't really, he doesn't remember, conveniently doesn't remember much about what happened. So, and then the, the third is a board of zoning appeals. If you don't like the decision you got, you can appeal to them. And, you know, they can work something out. That's the the board that I sat on. So that's like the judicial branch. Well, the way this was written, um, and I'm sure that this will set a precedent if people see this and we lose, they will look at that and they will say, huh, they purposely wrote it in such a way that they could go around and avoid going through any appeals process. There are no conditional uses. It is what it is. And you're stuck with it. Um, and in fact, I, I have in meeting minutes, the representative from Ross said, we want to implement this in such a way that we don't have to deal with the Board of Zoning Appeals. And I thought, who was reading this? Who said, OK, why would they do that? Who benefited from this? Certainly not the, the residents, certainly not the people. Let me give you a quote here. This is from The Guardian. It's an article written in 2001. It's actually September 18th, 2001. It's a very interesting reference here, buried in the middle of this article. It's a, it's a paragraph. It says, in the U.S., a single fab, Intel's 700-acre campus in Octillo, Arizona, produced nearly 15,000 tons of waste in the first three months of this year, about 60% of its hazardous. Mm. It can also consumed... 97 million gallons of fresh water, enough to fill about 1,500 Olympic swimming pools and used 5,600 megakilowatts hours of energy. When we start looking at proximity between where this new plant for Intel is and East Palestine and the event of this incinerator plant that's been expanded when they didn't even ask for it, I would have to say there's an absolute correlation. Your thoughts? You know, this is the first time I 
you, you've, you've put the correlation there for me and I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that um, the semiconductors were as toxic as you're saying they are. I do know that solar is highly toxic and there is a solar plant out near Toledo in Ohio already. And I don't know who's handling their toxic waste. Um, but I would say if they're putting out that much toxic waste, chances are it's coming this way. But I also know that the Ohio EPA has a plan for where it's going because they have to have a schedule and they have to have that accommodated for. So that should be public record, um, I would think, but I don't know. I've asked for public record before and I haven't gotten it. Elizabeth? Well, I'm getting an education, Scott, but I will tell you this. It seems like too perfect a storm not to be planned. I think that's the key. And I think that's the key when we are doing research. We have the facts and we can derive conclusions from the facts that we may not be able to absolutely prove. But when we start to find things that are conveniently happening, and I'm listening closely to what you're saying and how these expansions happen without their notice, how it just happened to be East Palestine, how it just happens to wipe out a drift over the healthiest population in the entire United States, which has the Amish lands to the east. It just happens to be within a, a very convenient driving distance of this incinerator from the plant that Intel's setting up. And DeWine is in the pocket of big corporate. And one of the biggest myths of this entire thing, this entire green agenda, which is part of the reason I just find so many people to be stupid and foolish when they start listening to it, is that green anything, anything tech, is some of the most toxic manufacturing we have ever placed in the hands of human beings. It is the byproducts of it are cancerous at every level, environmentally damaging, not even to mention the power requirements to get to this, quote, green energy garbage that they're pushing. And it makes, the, it makes the petroleum industry, by comparison, look to be a saint in view of this green energy garbage that we're being pushed. I mean, just even like if you take an, an idea of just the, the wind generation and their, their blades that are not recyclable, but they're deep, they're, there's massive deforestation being done to build these blades. And we're seeing an industry that has been sold to people, in particular the, the retarded left, that are the biggest push behind this, that want a feel-good experience. That is the same activists that do nothing when something like this happens up in, in, your, in your state, where the real people, which ironically, I'd be willing to bet that most everybody in this region is either going to be independent or Republican, that are now waking up going, wait a minute, what the heck are you doing? Because the biggest myth going is that somehow if you're an independent or Republican and you aren't out on the street corner gluing your hand on the concrete to stop cars and traffic because that's supposed to help climate change, you are a climate denier. And worse, you don't love the environment, which is complete, two complete lies. So to kind of sum this up, give some perspectives on what you're seeing here in, in the types of people that are awakening, activating, and what that's telling you about the direction ahead. Karen? Well, what, what, what should we be more concerned about? Carbon dioxide or hazardous waste? Because the whole conversation in this country is about carbon dioxide and how we're gonna put masks on cows or something like that. Um, and I agree with you that this, the more, the more technologically advanced we become, the more toxic we become. 
And we're going in a, in a really bad direction. But I will say the people that most of the activists that I know are Republicans. They're conservatives. They're Christians. They're, they care about the land. They care about their children. They want to make, they're empowered. They want to become empowered to make their own choices. And that's, I mean, I know others that are, um, are on the left, but they're not really the true activists, the, the, the ones that I really know. And so I would, I would say that, and it's funny because the political conversation makes it appear just the opposite that the Republicans don't care about the land, that the Republicans, whatever, and that only the, um, only the left does. But I, I disagree with that. That's not, that's not what I'm seeing. Elizabeth. Yeah, that's not what I'm seeing either. Um, I'm in the radical middle and, uh, I, I am a Jesus follower. I don't call myself a Christian. Um, but I think that I, I want to go back to what Karen had mentioned before about the people who suffer it's almost like, well, until you feel it or experience it, it's not as important or it doesn't exist or it's not as big a deal, but more and more people are hurting. So more and more people are waking up and it's creating alliances that were probably previously unlikely. Um, I, I think in light of what we're dealing with, just uh, Karen and I and our little team of, of people, um, it's it's forming alliances that I never even imagined. And we're learning how to convey truth to people in a way that they can't possibly be offended by it because it's caring about them. It's a we're in this together type of thing. And I think that uh, the powers that be, they really fear that. They hate that. They want to crush that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I would like to add one other thing. We were talking about the East Palestine waste. And one thing we didn't bring up, we talked about the Ross incinerator, but we didn't bring up Vickery Environmental, which is an underground injection well in near Sandusky, Ohio. And that's taking a lot of waste from East Palestine. And it's just injecting raw waste into the ground in massive amounts. And I I don't know. I think... From a technological point of view, I think that's a terrible idea. It's four miles from Lake Erie, and luckily the EPA has said they're not expecting it to spread horizontally more than five miles laterally within a period of 10,000 years. Well, it's four miles oh. from Lake Erie. And, they're, and then they're saying, well, but it's 1,600 feet away from drinking water in, that has shale and limestone between it. And I'm like, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Just, just like hide it, like lift up the carpet and sweep it underneath as we're, we move on with our agenda. That's the way it seems. They're not thinking in terms of humankind. I think that's the most important thing to appreciate is these people are not of us and not like us. And I, we have to go to that position to understand that you said it very well and great words, Elizabeth, I'm not a Christian I'm a follower of Jesus. I say the same things on this show all the time because that that brand, the Christian brand, has been destroyed by the sellout of the pulpit and the dead stone walls. So 100% agree. I also love your comment on the, of the radical middle, which is beautifully said. Yep. That, that is true. 
we are not dealing with people that are of us or think like us or even can relate to us because we are simply chattel to be herded, used, and abused, and ultimately destroyed for the benefit of their own power and joy of recreating this world in the image of the father of lies. And that's literally what we're seeing here. I said I'd come back to something that's really important, and um, I'll kind of frame this, in the, and we'll kind of wrap it with this, and then we'll do a prayer. Um, you mentioned that it, the idea about lawyers and about legal. And I'm going to encourage you, if, and we had him on the show on episode 2398, which was Wednesday, July 19th. His name is Jaron Jackson. I'm going to encourage you to listen to that show and pursue what he's put before us. Jaron is a West Point graduate. He's um, done two tours in Afghanistan. He has become a biblical scholar and a common law scholar. And common law is how our Constitution, Declaration of Independence is where it's established in terms of moral law and constitutional and common law for the for the people. It is the law of the people. And so I'm going to encourage you to explore this because all of us in a certain way have to become lawyers, to your point, Karen, but not in the way we think, not through the Bar Association, but through the knowledge of common law to understand that we have the sovereign rights of this world. There's, that is our rights given to us by God that no one can take away. And unfortunately, everything you've described is a process by which we have accepted and become subject, subjugated to, which is that we are trying to fight them on a system that they've overlaid over us and separated us from our powers in which God gave us. So I just kind of leave that and let you have each of you have some final thoughts. Karen? I'm finding that more and more speaking out and speaking the truth and being persistent and just being authentic, I do get some traction and we're able to meet up with others. And I understand, I would like to listen to that podcast from Jaron Jackson. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a process. I mean, I have learned so much in the process and in meeting Elizabeth and meeting, um, there's a couple other on our team. And it's interesting because we're kind of, we don't really work together. I don't know if you know that. We don't really work together. <laughs> we sort of go off on our own directions. And I just feel like I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I feel like I'm being led for some reason. I'm putting one foot in front of the other. And occasionally we come together and we kind of fist bump. And then we kind of move on our way again. And, um, and I mean, I'm not a lawyer. And at the same time, the more I learn about the law, it's basically a whole bunch of fancy, a fancy um, words that if I just keep applying what I can do, that, that we're making traction, we're making waves, and I'm hoping we'll be successful. We have been successful on some level because they originally asked for 218 acres and it's down to the latest was 65. I don't even know if that 65 is a viable number because that came from the air apparently. But um, but anyway, I'm not, I'm not totally sure how to answer that question. I don't know if I actually answered that question, but that's that's kind of my answer. Elizabeth? Oh, boy. I, I don't even know where to start because I, I, I think about what you just said, and it's it's been so cool to learn all these things. I learn something new every day in this whole thing. And um, 
between running a business, taking care of my family and doing ministry work and this, it's like taking on a life of its own, but I, I can't stop. It's every time I see something and I turn a page and I learn a new thing. And we've, we've as a, a collective, we have been able to share information and encourage each other in our strengths. And that's been really cool. And then kind of picking up other people along the way who are saying, how can I help? When I hear that, it's music to my ears. I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't think I'm just crazy. Because at first, if you remember, Karen, remember we were angry, we were fearful, um, we were divisive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Where's this coming from? And that was, those were descriptors from the media. <laughs> it's like, wow. And in, and in meetings being, you know, accused of things. And I was like, I'm just somebody's wife and mom. <laughs> you know, I just, this, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm informed. I'm concerned. And, and it's just not, not going away. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't see us as losing because even if they're able to force bully, which is what they're doing, bully this zoning into the heavy industrial description that their lawyer framed. Um, I still see it as a win because uh, people are waking up. People are aware of what's been going on more and more and more. And as that happens, maybe this battle, this little battle won't be won the way that we hope, but it will set a precedent and it'll be a beacon for other people in other parts of the country and maybe even the world, because this thing with all these toxins, it's a global issue. Waste management is a crisis. Absolutely is. Is there any place that people can follow your updates, your, your research? You have a website, blog, podcast? We actually haven't created anything. I have a, an email address that people um, that I, when I go onto other people's pages, I say, Hey, if you want to help, or if you want to contact us, send it to, send me your name, your contact information, um, to this email. And it, I, I would share it if you, if I'm able. No, please, please. Stop toxic spread at gmail.com. Okay. There we go. Ultimately, this is going to the ballot and we need people to get those signatures. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing next. Excellent. That's good. Well, ladies, we always close with a prayer. If it's okay, I'll do a prayer. That'd be great. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time we've had. And once again, the inspiring stories of two of the children of the Most High standing into the gap and literally leading a fight to awaken people, but not just awaken with knowledge, but to awaken them to the deeper process in the spiritual fight as well. Father, this is truly an, an amazing time in which our enemy, which is a vicious enemy, continues to try to convince, subdue, lie to such a degree to make so many feel as though there's an impossible chance of winning. And in doing so, convinces us of the greatest lie at all, that somehow the enemy is greater than you. So, Father, we're reminded in the sacrifice of Jesus himself that we have achieved victory, but now it's our fight to bring victory into this world. And so we're blessed today with Karen and Elizabeth and ask for your continued blessings over them to continue to guide them in that fight and yet another element of this fight to bring victory 
where the chances seem impossible, but knowing that all victory is possible through you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ladies, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And look forward to getting this show out for people to hear, because I think this is a very important story. You're doing great work. I'll continue to stay in touch to hear how your fight goes. Thank you very much, Scott. Yes, thank you for having us on. Absolutely. God bless. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Well, Patriots, that was Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Rattree. I'm just really inspired by these two because these are two ladies that don't have any background of being in activism or other than their passion for their communities. And I just hope that that story is the deeper part of the story that resonates because they've just gotten into the fight and into the ring and figuring it out as they go, and they're relentless, and they're making a difference. And this is exactly what we're talking about in local action. And this is local action that has national and strategic implications because they're taking on some big players here, people that want to create these incineration plants and to process toxic waste, and that's a billion-dollar industry. So they're winning, and they'll continue to win, and we want to keep our continue to keep our prayers for them up. And I just... I would say it's a story you want to share, and it's a story as well to be inspired by, because really what you're seeing here is a a living example of a David and Goliath-type fight. So, Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait, But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered 
by those who move forward. And so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 